The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. So the purpose of the Tisch program is to ensure safe and quality housing within the city of Minneapolis. This was created a number of years ago, and really the main goal throughout since it was created to now is to improve and maintain our housing stock in the city and then protect the public health and welfare by removing specific code violations. Welcome everybody to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich and I'm alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman as always. And we're happy to have in studio on the podcast today, Brianna. Brianna, can you introduce your full name? Brianna's with the city of Minneapolis and she works with the Truth and Housing Program at the city. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about some changes that are happening to the to, we call it the TISH program, T-I-S-H, Truth in the Sale of Housing. And you know how we all like to use acronyms around here. So if you talk in code, you have to explain what your code is. Bill's good at making us do that. Yeah. You always pipe in. <laughs> I like it. Bill I like speaks acronyms. in acronyms. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. And then we're, we're going to kind of start scratching the surface of TISHs and, and understand where this thing is going. My name is Brianna Patch. Official title is Development Coordinator 3 at the City of Minneapolis, but I super Supervise the Truth and Sale of Housing program as well as several other programs within the Construction Code Services Department at the city. A little bit about myself. I've been at the city for actually just over 10 years now, working in Construction Code Services and with their various programs for six. I've been supervising the program for almost three years. Okay. What's the purpose of the TISH program? So the purpose of the TISH program is to ensure safe and quality housing within the city of Minneapolis. This was created a number of years ago. And really the main goal throughout since it was created to now is to improve and maintain our housing stock in the city and then protect the public health and welfare by removing specific code violations. So it allows buyers and sellers to be more informed of what's happening at a property and how they might prepare to, for potential repairs or if there's any required repairs. Required repairs. So the city can actually, they have some teeth behind this, this program. They do. So we have a number of required repairs that can be called out with the program or within a truth and housing evaluation. And those required repairs are mainly life safety. Some of them a little more minor ones that evaluators can actually go out and reinspect to make sure the work was done. Things like smoke detectors that are missing, CO detectors. Some of them a little more major. So um, safety checks on a furnace, make sure it's functioning okay. Or if something needs a permit, then that goes through the city, city inspectors check out. Cool. You want to have some fun? Let's do a quiz. Ruben is a Tish evaluator in the city of Minneapolis, and I think we should barely we barely. should uh, <laughs> quiz him and see him how see we how well quotes when you say licensed. <laughs> so, do you have any uh, real like minutia? content here oh, that you can gosh. throw at Ruben and, and see if you can stump him. We've this never seen him fail. <laughs> this is going to be embarrassing. I'm going to fail miserably. I was going to say, I got to try to think of a situation that we've had recently. I don't off the Chapter top of 249. Chapter 249. Oh, two, wait, oh, see, oh hey. Yeah. What do most of the violations go off of? No, <laughs> that's it. That's it. We're doing Jeopardy here. See? <laughs> It, what does that even mean? What is chapter 248? What oh, is 248, that? 248, that's what most of our violations come out of. Okay. It's the... Do you know what it is? I, the housing, Minneapolis Housing Maintenance Code. Well done. Boom! Minneapolis Housing Maintenance got Code. One. Yep. You, you got it. Okay, right, so there. this game is on the entire podcast. Great. So if anything <laughs> pops into your head, just stop 
and ask a question. Toss it at him? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. Absolutely. So, Ruben, how many years have you been a licensed evaluator? I think it's like 2004, 2005, one of those two. It's been a while. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I've kind of dropped off of really even doing tissues. I maintained my license because it was a huge pain to get it. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. What what do you guys do for testing now? It's like once every two years? It actually hadn't been offered for about five years because there was a transition between See? supervisors oh and stuff. So we, we just offered it this last fall and it is a heck of a test. And yeah. then, yeah. And so we're actually going to offer it because it had been so long. We'll offer it again this fall. And then we're looking at about every, every other year yeah. offering the test for potential evaluators. When you compare it to other stuff, there's like, there's the national home inspector exam and there's clear outline study material for it. Here's what you do. Yeah. And everybody on our team, it's like, you take the national home inspector exam, you pass it. Everybody passes it. People get worried about it and they get weird about it. But it's like, look, here's what you do. You're going to be okay. The Tisch exam? I'm like, you're probably going to fail. <laughs> it's, it covers a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. And, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, what do you, you got to study? Well, you need to be familiar with the IRC and the plumbing codes and the mechanical codes. Everything. And it's like, yeah. and it's like, oh, so I just get all these books and know what's in there, huh? Yep. Oh, oh, and you need to know the Minneapolis Housing Maintenance Code and the Tisch Guidelines. And the Tisch Guidelines. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's wow. crazy how much. We're going to try to come up with the guidelines and stuff like that because it is. It's yeah. to say, hey, this giant code and this giant code and building and plumbing and mechanical and not to be specific is not yeah. worth studying. There's, yeah. there's no way to know exactly what you, yeah. you know, really need. So. Yeah. so what's the passing rate on that? Do you know? The last time they offered it the five or six years ago, nobody passed. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. With doing it this time, we've definitely readjusted a lot of the requirements. So the percentage you need to get right to pass, we have it at, I believe, 70 or 75 percent. They had it at 80, which is really pretty high for mm. any exam that you would normally take. Great. So we Not dropped that down. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. we actually did. So we redid the whole exam to meet current code and we found well, there were four or five questions that everybody got wrong and we mm. thought that doesn't yeah. work. You mm-hmm. can't have every single person get those wrong. And so we crossed yeah. those out. We gave people points for those so they didn't count towards their yeah. total. It's a work in progress. I had never been there when this was offered so I definitely want to adjust things to make it much more friendly to the people trying to apply and pass this. Sure. The National Home Inspector Examination, it, it's not required. You don't have to take that to be a home inspector here in Minnesota. You don't have to be licensed. We all know that. But there is this national exam that home inspectors can take. And there's this uh, board that oversees it. And sometimes I volunteer. Ruben, you've done this too. You volunteer yeah. to, to help write exam questions and edit exam questions. Part of it is going through and looking at the stats of how many people are getting these questions right or wrong. Yep. And then realizing, oh, this is poorly written or, oh, this is not relevant. or And then you know, taking it out or editing it. Yeah. Too many people get it right. Yes. It's, it's got to it's it's be easy. thrown out. Too yeah. many people get it wrong. Sure. Throw, throw it, it out. out. There's a problem yeah. with the question. And it's yep. like, it yeah. is crazy how much time is spent digging into every one of those questions. Every and question. what's, what's the term they use? It's a psychometrically validated exam or something like oh, that. Oh, I can't. So I don't remember a, the there's term. There's a term but... for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a testing company that oversees that. We're going down the rails, yeah. but there's Thanks a lot that goes into learn. testing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I think any question I've gotten wrong on a test was poorly worded. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll Amen, just put, brother. Let's put that out there. <laughs> Amen. So, 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to start talking about some of the changes that are going on with the Tisch program in Minneapolis. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Are you in the market to buy a home? Structure Tech Home Inspections is here to help. We've been inspecting the heck out of houses since 1987, and we'd love to help guide you through the process. Our home inspectors at Structure Tech are passionate about education, spending as much time as needed to deliver the most thorough inspection possible. With a five-star rating on Google and over a thousand reviews, we're the most highly rated home inspection company in Minnesota. We also offer a full line of related home inspection services, such as radon testing, sewer inspections, and chimney inspections. Whatever home inspection services you need, you can get it with a single phone call and we'll deliver it with a smile. For pricing and availability, please visit us online at StructureTech.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, and I'm alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And today we have Brianna Patch in the studio with us, and we're talking about the Minneapolis Tisch program. So let's dive into this a little bit. What can you tell me about this new energy disclosure that's becoming part of the Tisch program? Absolutely. So the energy disclosure, which went live mid-January this year, is in addition to our Truth in Housing program, it was brought forward by our city council. They've been making a lot of efforts to kind of reduce the carbon footprint throughout the whole city. One of those efforts has been directly towards the buildings and housing in the city, Truth and Sale of Housing being one of the three programs that they've looked at. So the energy disclosure adds in a few additional items that our evaluators will be looking at. This includes wall insulation, attic insulation, heating plants, and single pane windows. So all of these items except wall insulation, the evaluators were already looking at. So we just added a few extra items to get more specifics. And the wall insulation is the one new one. And this is the requirement that's been a little controversial because we mm-hmm. are having a two-inch hole drilled into a wall in a discreet location. Yeah, yeah, that is exactly what we heard. So, (laughs) but having your walls insulated makes a really big difference on the energy efficiency of your home. So that's one of the reasons we're doing this check. It is a standard part of any full energy audit you'd get from, say, the Home Energy Squad. That is why we tacked that into this. You know, evaluators do it in a discrete location. It's plugged as soon as they're done, you know, checking, drilling that hole in. So not too bad, but we do know some people have been a little concerned, so... I've got a question, and and this is just something that people have asked me many times, and I just go, I'm just the messenger. Don't ask me. People say, well, why why just one area? How can you base the whole house on one test hole location? Sure. So some of this we did go off of. We worked with Center for Energy and Environment. They are the people that work directly with our utilities to do the home energy squad. Um, And so that was one of the things that they had kind of recommended. They only do one hole in the wall. You could certainly do more, but in general, we find with, unless there's a new addition, mm-hmm. with a home, all the original walls, you're going to find the same general insulation in them. Okay. And so though it's only checking one small little section, the idea is that if these are all the, the original walls, you're going to see the same insulation throughout, so most likely. You use a, a word there, original. Mm-hmm. So are, are you asking your evaluators to assess a house and be like, okay, that's original, or this is an addition, or things of that nature? Like, ask Asking people to use their best judgment to give the best information. Correct. correct? Yep. 
Yep, we do let them know that it should be in one of the original walls, an exterior-facing wall. Kind of worst-case scenario, fair y- to say? Yes, yes, that's what we want to look at. Because in addition, if you did an addition, it's it's only part of the house. So, And we do have it set up in our with our program. So any home that's built in 1980 or after, so between 1980 to now, will not need the wall insulation check. And the reason for that is the energy code went into place in 1980. Your walls now need to be insulated when you build a new home. So the assumption is your walls are fine. You have insulation in your walls. But anything prior to that, so it's important to do the original walls as opposed to, hey, you got an addition off the back. If that was done after 1980, you probably have wall insulation in that piece of your house. Sure. That's interesting. That's the first time I've heard the word original in Mm -hmm. all our conversations. And Mm -hmm. uh, that makes more sense. And I got to ask you this too. No, and I I don't want to get myself in trouble, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) something that we've done is, you know, this is everybody's biggest concern when we're doing these energy evaluations. Now, where are you going to put the hole? Mm -hmm. And so to kind of get over that, we tell people ahead of time, hey, look, we got to drill this hole. Pick out an inconspicuous spot that you like and mark it for us. Put some tape there, or if you're going to be there, just point it out, pick somewhere, and then we're not going to have any problems. But do you foresee any problem with that? What if somebody is like, oh yeah, I got this addition I just put on last year. I want you to drill here. What would you say about that? That's fair. So it's absolutely come up as a concern in some of the trainings I did to teach the evaluators kind of all of these new changes. One of the things I did talk about and I recommend is prior to going out when evaluators schedule the inspection, Give a heads up. Hey, we're this is part of the program now. We will be drilling a hole in the wall. Do you have a spot you want? Otherwise, I'm going to look for a discrete location in a closet, under a sink, in a cabinet, something that's not dead center of your dining room wall. Where it's <laughs> yeah. very, very visible. So, and then if someone has a recommendation, awesome. That works perfect. They know where it's going to be. They're prepared for it. If they don't, then finding a discrete location. So if they recommend doing the hole in a brand new edition, we do ask the evaluators to let them know that we are looking for the original walls. If they absolutely push for it, that that's where they want it located. We're not looking for fights or anger or anything like that. They can either be referred to our office and we can talk to them more about why that's important to do an original wall as opposed to an addition. So we're going to step aside just real quickly but when I come back, I'm going to hit Tess with a couple questions because there's some building science angles here that I might want to explore and see if you guys have had these discussions at the city. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Hi, everybody. Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. We talk a lot about education on our podcast because this is one of our core values here at Structure Tech. To prove how important this is to us, we actually teach free continuing education classes to real estate agents all over the Twin Cities. We've been doing this for years, and we have classes ranging from one to four hours in length. These classes are taught by both me and Tessa, and if you're interested in having us come out to teach at your office, all you need to do is visit our website, click on the Education tab, and you can see instructions on how to get us out to your office. And you can also see a calendar of upcoming events. If you're interested in having us come out, please visit our website at structuretech.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And we're having a conversation today with Brianna Patch from the city of Minneapolis about Tishes. And so, Tessa, I wanted to ask you, I mean, 
we can make some pretty broad assumptions about old houses. They probably mm -hmm. have very little insulation. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you add insulation to an old house, the sidewalls of an old house that were never built that way? Does it increase the energy efficiency a ton for that house? We're not adding all the elements of a properly sealed home mm -hmm. then. What's it doing for us? The easy answer to that question is it does reduce your heating cooling costs when you fill an empty wall cavity with insulation. <laughs> In general, I mean the broad answer, but you do have to think about some other things too when you add insulation to a house, if you make it more airtight, if you do any air sealing work, it can change how that house works. So you have to think about those things too. Can you add air sealing to a plaster wall? Well, you know, when people are, usually when people are adding insulation to their exterior walls, they do it with like a drill and fill method. Is that, is that what you're familiar with? Brianna, yeah. Too? Yep. Yeah. So they, you know, they'll, they'll cut a hole in between each stud and yep. then fill it with insulation. Usually they're using something like blown cellulose, right? Yep. And so cellulose, it's not going to stop air movement like, like a spray foam would. So it's not perfectly airtight. Air can still move through it, but it's going to slow it down. A little bit. Okay. So it's like me putting on my puffy coat without a <laughs> shell. The wind will still move through it, yes. but or air will still yeah. move through it, but it's it's not completely sealed. Yeah. So I guess my question for you, Ms. Building Science Expert, <laughs> is is there a way in a in a retrofit application to add air sealing to this wall construct? Unless you fill it with closed cell spray foam, you'd have to take the wall apart to add a, yeah, a vapor barrier. But even yeah. to do closed cell spray right. foam, I mean, you can't just yeah. start at the top and fill it. It's like yeah. you need to you need to take off one side of the wall. You need to spray it against a surface. They, and you it know needs what? There's this type of foam, and I don't know if you've seen this, Brianna, too, where they can like stick the hose in the wall cavity and pull the hose out and fill the cavity with foam. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's not I, a closed cell foam. It's right? not, but it would be airtight then if you fill it with foam but but yeah I mean it's it's probably not going to happen to make a wall you know perfectly airtight and have a, a vapor barrier like new house would have you wouldn't you wouldn't do that you would just get that added R value to, that would help insulate the house a little bit better and help reduce heat loss and save you money on your heating cooling costs okay all right so it's better than nothing Yep. But it's not as good as what we're doing now. It, I mean, obviously, if you can build it perfectly right away, that that's better. Okay. So what other kinds of things came up in the conversations when you were talking about implementing the the energy disclosure stuff was, did you have any other concerns? You know, I, I got to say, um, one of the most surprising things for me in seeing kind of how these from prior to go live to now that we've been in it for almost a month is I think there were concerns on our end of people are going to really push back on this. You know, there's an option to appeal having the wall insulation check, especially in situations of if you've already had your walls insulated or built before 1980, but had your walls insulated or other various situations, you know, you have that opportunity. And I, I absolutely expected a giant influx of appeals of people saying, absolutely not. I don't want this. This is terrible. And we've actually gotten more people calling in with concerns of saying, why is my score so low? But I did this or I'm upgrading my furnace or different things like that. I want you to update our energy report so that it's showing a more accurate score. Like so, how much work I put into my house yep. to make it better than yep. it was when I 
purchased it. So people are actually very interested in making their score higher or it accurately reflecting exactly what they have going on to show, hey, my score is an 85 or it's a 100. Because the score ranges from 0 to 100. You can absolutely hit 100 if you have met those four areas. Let me ask you a specific question on that. One of the scoring areas is your furnace. Mm -hmm. What's the metric? Can you explain to us the metric for scoring on your furnace? So what they, I can do a little bit. Uh, Center for Energy Environment is much better at it than me. The three key areas that we look at with this is the type of heating plant, whether it's a boiler, furnace, and within those, what type of boiler, furnace, or electric baseboard. Like efficiency ratings of them? Yep. And then we look at the venting type. And then we look at the age. But what we specifically look at for age is, is it 20 years or older or is it less than 20 years? The age doesn't actually affect the score at all. What it specifically does is if it's, say, over 20 years old, the language on the energy disclosure report will actually show, hey, your furnace is over 20. You might want to consider replacing it. Now, some furnaces or boilers are meant to last longer than 20 years. So you kind of have to know that or maybe take it with a grain of salt knowing you know what it's actually not that bad but many times a furnace that's over or boiler over 20 years old isn't as energy efficient as if you got a newer one and then from there what it looks at very much is the really the type of heating plant and then the venting type and the points are kind of assigned based on that if you have a condensing furnace you get all the points. That's awesome. And it kind of goes from there as it lines things up. But for the vent type, it's basically, it's going to be one or two categories. Either it's condensing or it's not condensing, right? There are three options. There's condensing, natural draft, and... Fan assisted? I think yeah. so, yes. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Okay. Yep. Natural. So the condensing, I think it's We're getting real technical PVC here. Pipe. Sorry, Brianna. That's okay. These <laughs> are testing my knowledge. Yeah. But yeah, the condensing or PVC pipe, I think, is the absolute most efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it kind of, you know, goes down. So let's talk about this condensing thing, because for people like me who don't always understand all these things, condensing just means it's high efficiency. Mm -hmm. Correct? That's about it. Okay. All right. Good way of putting it. If it's got a big, big round chimney coming out of the top of it, it's not condensing. A big metal thing that gets yeah. really hot. Yeah. yeah. Not it's condensing. not high efficiency. If it's got plastic coming off the top, like PVC or ABS, something you something. use for a drain, it's high efficiency. It's mm-hmm. condensing. Another term for that is 90 plus. It's yep. at least 90% efficient or more. And it means that it removes so much heat from the exhaust gas that you're left with a bunch of moisture. And to handle that moisture, you need a drain pipe. There you go. Learning something new. Broken <laughs> down right to the, the facts you need to know. Awesome. Well, Brianna, is there anything else you kind of want to throw on here? We're, we're kind of getting short on time. I, I could ask 40 more questions, mm-hmm. but our podcast would end up being three hours long. Just to jump in real quick, there are a couple questions. One, what can we tell homeowners that are asking, what do I need to do to prepare for a tish when they ask us? Is there any good information or sure. what can we tell them? So our on the our City of Minneapolis webpage, we actually have a truth and housing page. I'm dedicated to a lot of that information have some documents that specifically talk about common repairs that might be called out or just kind of how the evaluation is done. Why do we do this? All that kind of stuff. It's got a little bit about the energy disclosure. We actually have a frequently asked questions document to kind of give them some information. Provides additional information. It provides our contact information for our office. You can always call us. We are always happy to answer any questions. You can email. We're available Monday through Friday during the day and we're happy to help anybody out with concerns, questions, thoughts. And I've got 
something to tack on there for any of our clients or, well, if you're one of our clients or not, if you're getting ready to sell a house in Minneapolis, you guys have got a fantastic one-page thing for how to get ready for your tish yep. that, that, that you mentioned. And I have gone through, and for all the ones where people had any trouble with it, they're like, wait, the toilet fill valve needs to be adjusted to this? I mean, like, what do I do? And nobody could figure this out. And over the last 12 years or so, I've written blog posts on everything that is difficult to understand on that list. And then I put together my own one-page list and I listed all out the stuff that we most commonly call out along with hyperlinks to blog posts that I've written where I've got videos showing you how to fix this stuff. So, and this is, that's a one-page document that we send all of our clients at the time that we book the Truth in Housing. So anytime somebody books that's a Truth in Housing with us, mm-hmm. yeah. we automatically send it. The second they book, it's like, hey, we're coming out, look over this list. This is the most common stuff. And like 99% of the repairs are on this list that we put together. Cool. We'll hey, put Ruben, a link. We'll put a can link we have some fun with we this? We will. Can you tell everybody where they can find those <laughs> blogs? Structuretech.com. What? There's yeah. no one? Nice. <laughs> yes. You thought I was going to say structuretech1.com, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. You're yeah. smiling. Yeah. Can you we explain? We URL. We finally purchased structuretech.com. Way back in the day, we had to pay like, I don't know, some ridiculous fee. It was up to like $60,000 for this, but I finally got it for a reasonable price. So, Brianna, I have one last question because I'm just curious. Is is Minneapolis as a city, are they a leader in a program like this around the country or... Is this something that many cities have? The truth and sale of housing, that program in general, is actually done by a, a lot of cities. There's a number of them that do it within uh, Minnesota, kind of a lot of the suburbs surrounding Minneapolis, St. Paul. But there Great are a lot of cities Paul. within the U.S. that also do this. As for the energy disclosure piece, that is actually very new. In the kind of the studies and research we did prior to even bringing this forward, there were only a handful of them that did any sort of energy disclosure. I believe only one. One city, which was Portland, if I'm not mistaken, actually required energy repairs, whereas we don't. They require our, energy Yep, repair? or they have required repairs that are connected to okay. that. For our energy disclosure, it's strictly informational. We mm-hmm. don't require any repairs with that. We just want the public to be informed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very good. Well, the voice you just heard was Brianna Patch with the city of Minneapolis. She's in charge of the Truth in the Sale of Housing program there, which was what we were just talking about, some recent changes to it. Thanks everybody for listening. That's going to wrap it up for this podcast. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. We'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at structuretech.com.